My dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Honesty. Such a lonely word. Everyone is so untrue. You know this one, right? Honesty is hardly ever heard, mostly what I need from you. The Holy Gospel according to St. Billy Joel. What, 1979? I don't know, sometime around there. But he's right. Honesty. The thing we need most from the people who claim to love us. Right? Really? Honesty? More than compassion? More than romance? More than constancy? Or equity? More than punctuality? <laughs> yeah, more than anything. Honesty. Why? Because without it, neither can ever really know the other. Right? Where they stand, what they feel, what they trust, what they fear. And neither will then learn love's extent without honesty. Particularly when a relationship is broken, right? Honesty is the prerequisite for healing, for coming back together for a new chance. Honesty. That's really what Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent, is about. That day that we got jocked out of because of a, a storm this last Wednesday. But I would contend that it's really what the whole season that we're entering now, Lent, is really all about. Honesty. We come together in a place such as this, on a day like this, to practice the art, and I do mean it is an art, of being honest. Hmm? To admit the limits that we place around our loving. Huh? To confess to God and one another how easily we kind of give up our agency in pursuing what we know is right for instead going after the things that are convenient, you know, chasing after our appetites, the things we want. It's the confession with which we began worship this morning, and it's why we begin nearly every single one of our worship services here on a Sunday morning with that confession that we make a plea to God for mercy because we're admitting that we need it. Honesty. Honesty to own up to our deficits and our weaknesses in order that our relationship with God might not rest on wishful thinking, but instead on a solid foundation of reality and trust. In one of the most heart-rending, honest pieces of confessional theology that has ever been written, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, explained his own dilemma, and you heard it read as our first reading for today. I'm going to share it with you now from the translation called The Message. Okay, it's a little more contemporary translation. Paul says this, What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious to me that God's commands are necessary and good. But I need something more. For if I keep the law, but, or know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, then it's obvious that I need help. 
I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I don't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, and then I do that thing anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep inside me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly, he writes, that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin's there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me takes joy in that delight. Part of me covertly rebels, and just when I least expect it, that's when those parts take charge of me. I've tried everything. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? The good that I would, I do not. And the evil that I would not is the very thing that I would do. (laughs) Who will save me from this body of death? Now that is honest. huh? At least for the man looking back in my mirror it is. Why is this kind of honesty so hard to practice? I think it has something to do with the fact that we think in our heart of hearts that maybe by admitting our shortcomings, our deficits, that somehow in that we are projecting weakness, right? That might be it. But I think, more to the point, I'm increasingly convinced that honesty is so stinking hard because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to be met by God and other people with condemnation rather than with mercy. But at the same, I think there is something in us that absolutely craves honesty. Hearing it and speaking it, we want it. You know, our, our, our largest attended worship service of the year here at Our Savior's Lutheran Church, you can probably guess what it is. It's Christmas Eve, right? It's that celebration we gather together to celebrate God's love made manifest in the person of Jesus born in Bethlehem. The second largest day is right on its heels in terms of numbers, and that, of course, is Easter Sunday, right? We celebrate death's defeat, what that kind of love does to death, eliminates it, takes it away. But you know what our third largest attended day is for worship here? It's Ash Wednesday. It's that day that we got jocked out of because of the storm this last week, which, by the way, is why those of us in charge of making such decisions as assessing weather and safety and all that stuff suffer so much when it comes to deciding whether or not we should cancel or not on a day like that. But isn't that amazing that Ash Wednesday is our third largest attended worship service of the year? That so many would be desirous in coming together in a place like this in the middle of the week in February to have someone smudge ashes on your forehead and remind you that you're not invincible. (laughs) Remember that you're dust, and to dust you will return. Who wants to hear that? Well, apparently a whole bunch of folks that are tired of being lied to, you know? Tired of being told that if you just did this thing a little more or did that thing a little better or stopped doing this other stuff so much that maybe finally you could master life itself and your mortality or at least your spirituality. It's a lie. It doesn't work that way. Hmm. 
Only one thing is asked of us now. In this season of Lent that we are embarking on now, an honest confession of a heart that is too often curved in upon itself, denying who we were made to be and instead opting for some cheap imitation. On this first Sunday of Lent, we always, every year, read a version of the same story from the Gospels. Either Matthew, Mark, or Luke. We read the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Um, right after his baptism and right before he begins his ministry, his redemptive work. And I think there's a reason for this, that we read that story as we begin this journey together. The temptations that were presented to Jesus by the deceiver are the exact same temptations every single one of us faces every single day. Namely, to forget who we are as God's beloved and to abandon trust in the one who actually gives and keeps our life. And these temptations away from faith, I think, always seem to come in what we could call the liminal moments of our living, that time between knowing, you know, hearing the promises made and then fully living into them, fully receiving them in their fullness. Jesus had heard at his baptism that he is indeed God's beloved. Remember that? The cloud coming over, the dove, the voice, you are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We hear the same thing at our baptism, right? That we are God's beloved. But then comes this liminal time, this wilderness wandering between time, when we start to wonder if the promise is true or if it's just wishful thinking. And we start to wonder if maybe trust and faith is just a fool's game after all. We've seen this play out in Scripture before, right? As you look back at the story of the history of God's people, freshly released from lives of bondage in a foreign place, wandering the desert, wondering if God's promise of freedom and a home is real or not. I find it interesting that every single one of Jesus' responses to the tempter in Matthew's gospel, trying to forget, trying to get Jesus to forget his identity as God's beloved, every one of Jesus' responses are biblical quotations, right? But they're not just from anywhere in the Bible. They're not from the Psalms. They're not from the prophets. You know where they're from? They're from the early chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. And if you know your Bible, you'll know that the book of Deuteronomy is that period of time where Moses is leading his people through that wilderness time. And he's trying to give them some words of solidity, some words of faith. They were originally spoken through Moses as he struggles to lead those people through this liminal time of testing in which they were being tempted constantly to abandon their trust and their faith in God. Faith that they weren't abandoned out there in the wilderness, but were being led and cared for, even when they couldn't see it. Well, if you know that story of Israel's wandering around the desert, you know that it didn't always work out so great for those people, right? In terms of their being faithful and listening to what Moses was directing them to do. There was a lot of complaining. There was a lot of bitterness. You know, there was a lot of hunger. They were 
busy building golden calf idols when they weren't, you know, complaining and getting bitten by snakes for their faithlessness. Remember all those stories? Lots of mistrust, but also lots of steadfast love on God's part because God continues to love them anyway in the midst of their doubting and continues to lead them to a new home. And that, I think, is why we can have hope in being honest about ourselves and our own lack of trust. God's grace never left those people in the wilderness. Why would it leave us? There are two things I would have you receive here today. An honest assessment of your own very real perishability and then a promise through the sacrament of bread and wine that the one who made you is very well aware of your circumstances and has already done something about it. You see, on a day like this, like every other time we come here, we can come here in honesty, trusting in mercy. The strongest people that I've ever known in my life have, to a person, been the most honest. Admitting their deficits and being open to the grace of God and other people. And they never stop looking for that which they know they can't find in themselves. They're honest. And that is what makes them lovely. May we approach the throne of grace with such confidence, risking honesty for the sake of a new life and another chance. Thanks be to God. Amen.